Chapter Three of Haste and Waste: The Young Pilot of Lake Champlain by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Six Thousand Dollars. Within half a mile of the ferryman's cottage at Port Rock was the summer residence of Mr. Sherwood, who, two years before, had become the husband of Bertha Grant of Woodville. The scenery in the vicinity was beautiful, and the mansion commanded a splendid view of the Adirondack Mountains and of the lake. Mr. Sherwood was an enthusiastic admirer of the scenery of Lake Champlain. His constant visits at Woodville had given him a taste for aquatic sports, in which he was disposed to indulge on a larger scale than ever had been known at Woodville. He had been remarkably fortunate in his financial operations, and was already a wealthy man. Though he did not retire from active business, he had taken a partner, which enabled him to spend a part of his time during the summer at his country house on the lake. Mr. Grant had gone to Europe a second time, to be absent during the summer, and Miss Fanny and Fanny Jane had accepted Bertha's invitation to spend a few weeks at Port Rock. A splendid time had been promised them by Mrs. Sherwood, who had made extensive preparations for their visit. The arrangements included a novelty which offered a very brilliant prospect to the party, and excited the imagination even of the older ones to the highest pitch. This novelty was nothing less than a miniature steamboat, which had already been christened the Woodville, in honor of the home of the owner's lady. She was a splendid little craft, and as perfect in her machinery and appointments as any steamer that ever floated. She was a side-wheel boat, sixty feet in length by twelve feet beam. Forward there were a regular wheelhouse, a small kitchen, and other rooms usually found in a steamer. Abaft the wheels there were a saloon and two staterooms. Of course, all these apartments, as well as the cabin below, were very contracted in their dimensions, but they were fitted up in the most elegant style. The Woodville had cost a great deal of money, but her owner expected to realize a full return for it in the enjoyment she would afford him, his wife, and their friends. She had been sent up the Hudson, and through the canal to Whitehall, and thence to Port Henry where she had arrived on the day before Laurie Wilford's return to Port Rock. On board of the little steamer there is an old friend of our readers. He may be found in the engine room, and as he rubs up the polished iron of the machinery, he is thinking of Fanny Jane Grant, with whom he escaped from the Indians in Minnesota, and whom he expects on board with Mr. Sherwood's party. The young man, now sixteen years of age, is the engineer of the Woodville. Though he has been but two years learning the trade of machinist, he is as thoroughly acquainted with every part of a marine engine as though he had spent his lifetime in studying it. The engine of the Woodville was built at the works where Ethan French was learning his trade, and he had been employed in its construction. As he was a frequent visitor at Woodville, he had petitioned for the situation he now held. At first, Mr. Sherwood was not willing to trust him. 
but ethan's employers declared that he was a man in everything but years and was fully competent to manage the engine and even to build one after the designs were made he had come up from new york in the steamer he had seen mr sherwood at port henry on his arrival and had been ordered to have the boat in readiness to start on the following morning when the family would be passengers mr sherwood had already selected lawry wilford as the pilot of the woodville he was small in stature and would look better in the wheelhouse than a full-grown man he had often met the young pilot and had been greatly pleased with his energy and decision lawry had been employed by miss fanny several times to row her on the lake and he had served her so faithfully that her influence was not wanting in procuring for him the situation lawry not yet informed of the honorable and responsible position which had been awarded to him walked up to mr sherwood's house he had heard miss fanny speak of the woodville while in the boat with him and had listened with delight to her enthusiastic description of the beautiful craft he was quite as anxious to see her as any of the party who were more directly interested in her can i see mr sherwood asked lawry he has gone away replied the man where has he gone to port henry he went in the carriage and is coming back in the new steamboat has he got a pilot continued lawry anxiously i don't know he expected you i believe but when you didn't come back he couldn't wait any longer i heard him say he could pilot her himself and i suppose he is going to do so i'm sorry i didn't see him but i have but just got home replied lawry he wanted to pilot the beautiful little steamer up from port henry he wanted to see her wanted to make her acquaintance for she promised to be the belle of the lake he was sorry to lose the chance for it might prove to be a valuable one to him mr sherwood was very liberal and he hoped he would not engage another pilot it was no use to complain and lawry walked back to the ferry where he could see the steamer when she arrived when he reached the landing-place the ferry-boat was about half-way across the lake and his attention was attracted by the strange movements of those on board of her his father was laboring at the steering oar with a zeal which indicated that some unusual event had occurred the ferry-boat was thrown up into the wind and while lawry was waiting to ascertain what the matter was his father leaped into the water it was now evident to lawry that something serious had happened and he sprang into the small keel-boat used for conveying foot-passengers across the lake which was fastened to a stake on the shore taking the oars he pulled with all his might toward the ferry-boat he was a stout boy and handled his oars very skilfully but before he could reach the scene of the excitement his father had returned to the bateau there's your coat said john wilford mr randall seized the garment with convulsive energy and with trembling hands felt for the pocket-book in which the six thousand dollars had been kept it is gone gasped he and he seemed ready to sink down in the bottom of the boat when he discovered his loss gone exclaimed john wilford what's the matter asked lawry i've lost my pocket-book with six thousand dollars in it groaned the bank director how did you lose it demanded lawry 
that drop came down and let my coat into the lake but i don't see how my pocket-book could get out of the coat i don't believe the money was in the pocket-book added the ferryman yes it was persisted mr randall i don't see how it could fall out of the pocket said john wilford nor i but the money is gone answered the bank director with a vacant stare i'm ruined well i can't help it i've done all i could for you i tried to save it and if i get the rheumatism for a month or two it will be a bad job for me wasn't the pocket-book in the pocket when you picked up the coat asked mr randall walking up to the ferryman how should i know replied john wilford i gave you the coat just as i found it i don't believe the pocket-book would sink added the director there was nothing but paper in it of course it wouldn't sink then interposed the owner of the vehicle in the ferry-boat i don't think it would said mr randall i know it wouldn't protested the stranger i dropped my pocket-book into the lake once and it floated ten minutes before i could get to it then it must be floating about on the water added lawry i will try to find it i'll go with you said mr randall they got into the boat and lawry pulled about the spot where the coat had fallen into the water for half an hour without discovering the pocket-book i suppose i must give it up sighed the director i'm sure it's not on the water replied lawry do you suppose it would sink i don't know the gentleman in the ferry-boat says it wouldn't stop a minute boy and i will soon find out continued the unfortunate loser of the money he took all the money and papers out of his wallet and stuffed it with pieces of newspaper which lawry gave him having thus prepared the wallet which he said was of the same material as the lost pocket-book he placed it on the surface of the water holding his hand underneath to save it in case the trial should result differently from his anticipations it floated and he removed his hand from under it to exhibit his confidence in the law he had tested that's plain enough said he my pocket-book hasn't gone to the bottom it certainly has not replied lawry then where is it that's the next question are you sure it was in your pocket when you got into the ferry-boat just as sure as i am that i sit here you were very careless about your coat on board of the sloop i know i was i don't see how a man could throw down his coat with six thousand dollars in the pocket said lawry i know i'm careless but i'm so used to carrying money that i don't think much about it i always carry it in a pocket inside of my vest continued the director putting his hand in the place indicated but this is a new vest and hasn't any such pocket things don't look all right to me is the ferryman your father yes sir he is well the money's gone added mr randall we will go back to the ferry-boat did you find it asked john wilford as the bank director stepped into the bateau no but i'm certain it has not gone to the bottom where is it then i don't know can you tell me mr randall looked at the ferryman very sharply his manner indicated that he had some suspicions how can i tell you replied john wilford the money was in the coat pocket when you picked it up in the water i know it was do you mean to say i took it out demanded the ferryman angrily if you didn't 
i don't see what has become of it do you mean to accuse my father of stealing said lawry indignantly i don't accuse him of anything but here are the facts and you can all see for yourselves you throw your coat down anywhere it would have gone overboard from the sloop if i hadn't saved it and it won't do for so careless a man as you are to accuse anybody of stealing your money added lawry angrily very likely you lost it out of the pocket before you got into the ferry-boat never mind him lawry i haven't got his pocket-book interposed the ferryman i know you haven't father and it makes me mad to hear him accuse you of stealing it mr randall if you think i've got your money i want you to satisfy yourself on the point at once continued john wilford turning to the director i hope you haven't but you think i have search me then greatly to the indignation of lawry mr randall did search the ferryman turned out his pockets and examined every part of his wet garments the pocket-book was not upon his person and the loser in spite of the laws of specific gravity which he had just demonstrated was almost compelled to believe that his money had gone to the bottom of the lake End of chapter three recording by scarlet louisiana